1: Alongside my friend and ministry colleague, Lila Van Gerpen, I'm Rob Dixon. Can women and men work alongside one another in healthy ministry partnerships? Our answer is without question. And on this podcast, we interview practitioners exploring stories about what flourishing mixed gender ministry partnerships look like in the field. Well, this week, our guest is Elaine May. Elaine, welcome to the podcast. Welcome.
2: Welcome. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Lila. It's so good to be with you.
1: Yeah, we're so glad to have you. Uh, right, right off the bat, before we get to the icebreaker question, how about you just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you serve, where you live, all of that?
2: Yeah, so I'm an ordained minister in the Christian Reformed Church in North America. I'm currently serving in West Michigan, uh, but I I work currently for the denomination. So I'm in a ministry consultant role doing leadership development. Really, most of my conversations have to do with leadership development. (laughs) And uh, both for men and women, but really a specialty towards supporting women clergy in our denomination.
1: Cool. Cool. And you have family?
2: Yeah, sure. Yep. Mm -hmm. I'm married uh, 30 years this year.
1: Oh, congratulations.
2: Yeah. Yeah, thank you. And we have four children. Uh, Lauren, Anna, Evan, and Olivia from, let's see, a uh, 24-year-old to a 17-year-old.
1: Okay, cool.
3: That's amazing.
2: Yeah, it's great.
3: Well, we love to start with a fun question to better get to know you. And here it is. What's a mixed-gender partnership that you appreciate from literature, movies, etc., and why do you appreciate it?
2: That's such a great question. (laughs) Uh, So I had to like kind of go back a little bit. And uh, do you remember seeing The Da Vinci Code? Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. Tom Hanks.
2: Tom Hanks stars in the movie. And of course, it's uh, this mystery that happens in Paris, France. Mm -hmm. And uh, it happens in the Louvre. And he had so he's a professor that's from Harvard. He's got specialties in coatings, ancient coatings. But his partner in solving this crime, it's actually her grandfather that's murdered. Uh, her name's Sophia uh, Nuvu. Mm-hmm. and she ha- I think she works for the police force and she also has some specialties mm-hmm. in symbolism and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I love the dynamic between the two of them. Both of them are really smart. It's this intellectual solving of this crime and the mystery around uh, this secret society that is written about in The Da Vinci Code. Of course, it's fiction. It's all yes. fiction. <laughs> but even the the um, religious uh, backdrop to the story is, yeah. is interesting. Entertain. But yeah, I appreciate the, their mutual respect for each other.
3: Yeah. Cool. We've never heard that example. That's a great oh, one.
2: Yeah. I, I feel Fun. like I, I need to go watch it again.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or read the book. I think the book was like a big bestseller before they made the yeah. movie, maybe. Oh yeah. nice. Cool. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, let let me uh <laughs> let me transition. Let me start by telling us a story, Elaine. So of all the mixed-gender ministry partnerships you've been involved in during your time in ministry and the CRC and elsewhere, is there one or maybe two that stand out as like life-giving for you, like uh, like a particular high point in your ministry experience? Can you tell us a story about that?
2: Yeah, that's that's a great question. So I started seminary in my 20s, but then finished it in my 40s and when i went back to seminary i went here to Cal- in grand rapids to calvin theological seminary and my pastor so i was a member of a crc church here in so my pastor was teaching a class as kind of an adjunct professor and he asked me to be his teaching assistant and the first year it was all about spiritual formation and how theological education forms us as human beings the first year, I really just uh, supported the syllabus that he created and so forth. Um, but the second time, he he was asked to teach the course again, and he asked me to TA it again for him. And the second time, he asked me to recreate or make edits to the syllabus. Mm-hmm. Um And I, I mean, I just love doing that, you know, in those those intermediary years between seminary and seminary, I kind of was a self student of Mm. spiritual transformation. Like how does change Mm. happen in a person? How do we become more like Christ?
1: Mm.
2: And so I had done just a lot of reading and work and there were some, some key texts that I thought he had excluded, um, so I reworked the syllabus and presented it to him while we were in a meeting. And uh, I thought for sure there'd be like <laughs> red marks all over it, you know, <laughs> like, okay, this is all right, but this has to go. And he accepted all of my edits lock stock, wow. like just, wow. wow, and, and quite quickly. I mean, he asked me a few questions. Uh, why did I choose this reading over that reading? But really, in a short amount of time, he just said, "Looks great, let's do it."
3: Wow! And
2: I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I was just a little caught off guard at how much he trusted me and how supportive he was uh, of my work, even though he's the professor on the course. He didn't have to do any changes; his course was fine, uh, but just. Yeah, it was um, it was really a moment for me where I felt encouraged, supported, uh, affirmed in my my passion and gifts. Yeah. For sure, that one just yeah. you know, that's an ideal situation. Yeah, yeah. praise God. Mm-hmm. So
3: meaningful and stays with you that kind of trust and empowerment.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um. Let's talk about the other side of those life-giving moments we experience. So, what challenges have you had to work through as you've partnered with men in your ministry world?
2: Hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, there are probably more of these memories. <laughs> you know. Uh, while I was working with that pastor on the course, I realized just how self-aware he was, how emotionally intelligent really good, healthy boundaries. Um, and I have to say it was, it was also one of those wow moments because I hadn't always had that experience. And so I noticed the like, lack of joking, the lack of flirtation, the lack of inappropriate storytelling Uh, And noticed how much anxiety that adds to a a mixed gender partnership, right? So the absence of that in this particular partnership um, gave me the freedom really to be more engaged, more at ease, really more creative because all that uh, anxious energy wasn't there at all. Wow. Uh, so that just that comparison mm-hmm. highlights, you know, some of those challenges that have come yeah. in mixed gender partnerships that haven't been completely life-giving. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Like when you realize what safety and health feels like in a contact partnership context, you realize how unhealthy or unsafe other experiences have been.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And the hope that that brings, like, man, this is possible. Mm. Yeah,
3: mm. yeah, yeah, amazing.
1: Um, yeah, Elaine, thanks for yeah, thanks for naming that. I think it's helpful to have that sort of contrast. Um, so, I'm wondering. And obviously, the students that got a hold of the syllabus that had been helped by Elaine to be you know better, um, they benefited from from the partnership that you and your pastor professor uh, had together. Can you give other examples of, of how you've seen God use mixed gender partnerships to be a blessing to your community?
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. So uh, in my, my current role in the denomination, there are uh, several of us that serve on this consultation team. And when, when I'm invited into a consultation team with one of my male partners, my male colleagues, Uh, Both of us are ordained ministers. Both of us have pastored churches before. And we're usually invited into a context where there is some conflict between the pastor and the leadership team or the pastor and the congregation. Or sometimes it's pastors that are on staff together. Uh, And I get called in particularly when it's a female minister and a male minister that are at odds with each other. And I can certainly uh, affirm the fact that because we come in with a healthy, mixed-gendered partnership, we are, uh, you know, that healthy modeling of what this could be, uh, as well as as soon as you enter something that's healthy into a non-healthy environment, it just creates that contrast, right? Yeah. Uh, and people see something that they go, oh, this what's happening here is not functioning in yeah. the same way that it could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we bring uh, when we go into a consultation in a, with a mixed gender partnership, we bring different perspectives. Uh, we bring uh, a good check and balance about oh, how much of this is gender related. How much is it uh, abuse of power? Who's abusing their power? And, uh, yeah, Yeah. that, that, uh, diversity is certainly very helpful.
1: So, so you and a male colleague go into Mm -hmm. these situations and you can speak things to them, but you're also sort of modeling it right in front of the, the partnership that's struggling, right? So it's a, it's a both and there. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Glad, glad the denomination has a category for that or has a, has a ministry in mind, you know, where they resource pastors in that way. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: is. Let's talk for a moment about success factors. So as you think about the mixed gender partnerships you've been a part of, in your experience, what makes them work so well? So what needs to be present in order mm-hmm. for people to thrive?
2: yeah great question. Uh, I want to just open Rob's book and give you all of the <laughs> all of the ones that he highlighted. but from <laughs> my personal experience, yeah yes yes <laughs> um y- really there has to be that respect for one another
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and often I find it is present with people who have what I would call like gospel humility. You know, recognizing that I don't have all the answers, and need my brothers and sisters to support, uh, and uh, augment, and bring their creativity. Right? Like we need each other. So that that is respect. That's dignity for the other person. Um, I think I would probably start there. What? Let's see. Another. Another factor is just individual health, right? Like individual emotional health also contributes to uh, how you can show up in an open handed, uh, not grasping for power but really using your power for the sake of others, including the person you're in partnership with. Yeah, those ones really come to mind.
1: Yeah. I'm, those are great, Elaine. I mean, I, I'm fascinated by the um, link you're making between emotional health and, like, not grasping for power. Can you fill that out just a bit?
2: A bit more? <laughs> um, I, I think this is closely tied to the humility that we see in Christ in Philippians 2. Uh he didn't abdicate his divinity. Yeah. Right. So humility is not saying, I'm no one, I'm not it like I, I don't have anything to offer. Yeah. Humility mm-hmm. is recognizing, oh, I have a lot to offer. And using it not for your own power, but for the sake of another's. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like I think that's what we see in Jesus mm-hmm. fully uh aware of who he is and uh, the power that he has. And because he's just really secure in his identity, yeah. he's not having to use it for himself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that I see that with people who uh, are lacking uh, some just emotional intelligence or emotional health is uh, not fully accepting who they are and being okay with that yeah that's that self-leadership right Mm -hmm. the first thing we have to do is accept who we are who god created us to be and be fully okay with uh the contribution he's designed us to make Mm. and i think that's closely tied to whether or not we have to grasp for power and uh hoard it for ourselves
1: Like, elaine is preaching at this point so just...
3: <laughs> well,
2: i'm listening i love it
0: enjoying the podcast take our survey and help shape the future of mutuality matters check the show notes below for the link or go to cbe.today forward slash pod survey
1: yeah it's so good that's gospel great. humility i think that's a that's yeah. a great concept to be thinking about um Elaine, I want to ask you about your role, your vantage point uh, as a denominational leader in the Christian Reformed Church. Um, It gives you a chance to see kind of what's happening maybe more broadly. Mm -hmm. So I'm just as you survey the denomination, as you think about your context, um, what gives you hope as in the area of women and men working together? Maybe what concerns you?
2: Yeah, Uh, you know, I'm hopeful when uh, I can share those experiences that I have with my male colleagues, when we're invited into a consultation, Mm -hmm. and uh, just mutually respecting and honoring each other's perspective. Uh, That does give me hope, right? So that's kind of at a you know middle management kind of level, I would say, right? So I'm seeing good culture created. at that level. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You mean, you're talking about, you're talking about like church culture, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, I'm talking in the denomination, right? Uh So Mm -hmm. that's one thing that gives me hope. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing that gives me hope is when I speak with women clergy who are the solo pastors Mm -hmm. uh, in their context and their church is just so appreciative and supportive of their work. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, And, uh, you know, some of these women now are in their roles for 15, 17, 20 years. uh, And the church is flourishing under their leadership. Uh, I think those are kind of pay attention moments where we have to see the steady leadership uh, of women uh, in the role of pastor that gives me hope.
1: Um, how about some concerns, Elaine? What, what What are you thinking about with those as you look at, at your denomination?
2: Yeah, again, we had a bunch of retirements. And uh, yeah, I think all of those appointments hmm. came up through the organization, right? So they're not from outside, they're promotions from within, which is excellent. It's really good. Brings great stability, lots of experience. But I'm just a little saddened, maybe concerned that almost all of them are male appointments to these roles. And it just shows me that we don't have a pipeline yet uh, of women in the denomination who yeah. are you know, ready to step into those roles. So we've been ordaining women for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And if you need 15 or 20 years experience before you step into an executive or senior level role, we just don't have the women Mm -hmm. in the pipeline that have the experience or the leadership development. And, you know, that's something that concerns me because really only time, right. That's a, that's a factor of time. We need more time. We have women being ordained. We've got, you know, over 200 in the denomination now, but they're not all ready for that senior level role. So and so, the current concern that's connected to that is more about diversity at the decision-making table. Mm-hmm. You know, denominations are in a season where we need innovation, we need creativity, we need different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And when I see predominantly men and predominantly white men get appointed to those roles, that tells me we do not have enough different perspectives. Uh, To be creative for what I think is that next season of denominational life, which is, hey, we're going to have to get very innovative in the years ahead.
1: Yeah. 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 Elaine, do you have thoughts about what that pipeline could look like? I mean, just off the top of your head, or maybe you've been thinking about this, like any um, ideas for how to develop a pipeline that would produce women that would be seasoned and ready to step into senior level leadership roles?
2: Yeah. You know, I think we have to be looking at some of these women who have been solo pastors for a significant number of years and yet aren't close to retirement Mm -hmm. and see if they have uh, the experience or or do we need to like recruit them into experiences?
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Because, you know, I don't know about other contexts, but the women don't often put themselves forward for those things either. Like they don't see themselves as the executive leader or they'll read the job description and say, well, I don't have this qualification. Right. <laughs> and because they have, you know, don't have, can't check all the boxes. So I think that will require the denomination to invite and and look at some of the women that are out there and say, you know, I'd like you to consider or how can we get you ready Uh, What are your interests and how can we support you? So that's, um, yeah, but even the number of women that maybe a quarter of the women that we have are either in senior roles or co-pastor roles. Mm
3: -hmm. Uh,
2: The other, you know, this kind of leads to another concern that I have is we still have some churches that will say, well, uh, yeah, women can be pastors, but they can't be the senior pastor or the Mm -hmm. lead pastor. Uh, they can be the formation pastor, or the worship pastor, or right. uh, the executive pastor, even, but not a co-pastor or the lead pastor. And this is uh, this is concerning because heck, this question was answered 25 years ago. Uh, it it shows me that we still have education to do, yeah, right? Sure. That uh, yeah. that there's not a hierarchy of authority when it comes to being a pastor or an elder for that matter um and that's a little bit more tricky because churches have to want that level of education or to seek out uh the gap right and say hey there's a gap in our understanding about this yeah yeah yeah
1: Yeah, it takes intentionality right to like press into Mm -hmm. the theological formation of that and space and time and meetings and all of that, that crowded church calendars may not have room for. Yep.
2: Yeah. And one of the things we're dealing with in our denomination is when the decision was made 25 years ago, 27 years ago now, to open the office to women, uh, there was a lot of pain. There was a lot of division in churches, in families over this issue. And that the memory of that pain is still there yeah so they might have time on their calendar they might have time to do a really good you know Bible study uh but they're not picking up this issue because of what happened 25 years yeah. ago Got and, and how painful that was for so many yeah. yeah so when fear continues to drive our decisions that's um that's concerning sure
3: yeah, yeah and there's a cost to not being on the same page too right yeah. Yeah. Well, we like to end with an opportunity for you just to share a little bit of your dreams. So what do you want to see God do regarding women and men in ministry partnership, both in the CRC and beyond?
2: Mm, So good. You know, I I wonder if it's actually already happening. Uh, I would love to see us prioritize God's mission. And to partner together in uh, fulfilling his mission. And for me, the mission begins with uh, the cultural mandate in the Garden of Eden, right? Like God gave men and women to work together in his world on mission with him. And then, you know, we see in... Genesis three, that takes on a redemptive nature, right? So so the mission then becomes also the the redemption of all that God created. Well, why would that mission be any less than an equal gender partnership, mixed gender partnership than in Genesis one? Like if, if nothing else, we need all hands on deck (laughs) <laughs> yes. to fulfill yes. God's mission. Yeah. Uh in my my dream, I would love to see some of these other conversations just uh get silenced by our tenacious desire to follow God on what he's doing in the world. Yeah. Um and I, I think when we put his mission first, some of these other things uh yeah, they just are less important. Yeah,
1: it's great. Yeah, I, 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 you started that answer with, I wonder if it's already happening,
2: mm.
1: and I'm going to take that hope <laughs> that's mm. embedded in that statement. I'm going to take that with me, I, because I, I hope it is too. You know, and yeah. as much as we see concerns and holes and things to work on, I wonder if God is doing a new thing right now. Yeah, that's a yeah. great word. Thanks, Al- thanks, Elaine. Yeah,
2: yeah, I do. I, you know, I think part of that is because. Our world is so divided right now. We have to get back to some foundational elements where we're on the same page, moving in the same direction. And so the challenges that the church is facing, uh, Lord willing, will bring us together in solutions rather than divide us and divide the family of God. Let's get together. Let's go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Thanks. Yep. Elaine, if, if uh, folks want to, to get a hold of you on social media, follow you on social media, where can they find you?
2: All right. So you can find uh, you can go to the CRCNA.org web, website backslash women's leadership. So that's CRCNA.org backslash women's leadership. If you go to the about me, you'll find me there. Nice. And if you're on Facebook, I'm Elaine Van Til May on Facebook. And right. you can find me there as well.
1: <laughs> uh, listen, thanks so much for spending this time with yeah. us, Elaine. We appreciate it. Uh, your insight into the church, your hope for the church, but your real kind of like you're looking at the church through like sober eyes, right? So, but yeah. you have hope in the midst of that. It's a, it's a really compelling combination, I think. So, thanks mm-hmm. for being with us.
2: Hey, you're very welcome. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah. It's been great. Awesome. Thank you.
1: Well, Lai, it was great to have Elaine with us. Um, So as you're sort of processing the interview, what stands out to you? What are you taking away?
3: I really loved how Elaine described the nature of her relationship with a professor Mm -hmm. and how it was in examining the health and the safety that she experienced in that, you know, that working relationship that helped her actually recognize where unhealth existed Mm -hmm. in the past right so to be able to list like because she recognized how healthy and emotionally healthy and um appropriate and you know all these things you'd hope to expect from every partner in ministry or working partnership but but in reality isn't always there and so just how just she was saying that like looking where the health was helped her actually pay attention to where she's experienced anxiety in the past mm-hmm. in a working partnership um, or mixed gender partnership or where she's felt uncomfortable, even if it was a, you know, a level of joking or whatever, that there's this inner voice that's saying this just doesn't feel right or this doesn't feel healthy. and And just the ways that the healthy partnership she experienced revealed that you yeah. know, for yeah. her and
1: stuff. So, Yeah. Revealed it. And, and I think maybe a little bit was like a healing experience. Yeah. Oh, her, redemptive right? for sure. Yeah. yeah.
3: Like there's hope that this is actually how it can be and should yeah. be.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And how cool that she's able to bring that now to others in a mentoring yeah. kind of capacity. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, I was thinking some about her, um her pipeline stuff she talked about mm-hmm. at the end there. And I think I see that a lot in sort of when I do interviews or, or consultancies is um, there isn't a pipeline. People aren't Mm -hmm. intentional about that, Mm -hmm. right? It's just sort of like it happens organically, which I'm all for organic ministry and all of that. But it does seem like this is a place where listeners who are involved in churches or denominations or organizations could apply some intentionality and be really thoughtful about inviting I mean, she said it right right it's like inviting pe- women to be a part of the leadership pipeline versus waiting for them to self-select yeah right and so some intentionality around that seems like a, a win so yeah. listeners out there as you're thinking about who's coming up in your organization yeah make sure you're being proactive with the women in the mix yeah. all right
3: yeah create opportunities and yep. invest in them
1: yep 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 right. that's great Okay. Well, thanks everyone for joining us today. If you enjoy this podcast, and we hope you do, we'd love to hear from you. You can follow Christians for Biblical Equality on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date info and content. You can leave us a rating or review on whatever podcast platform you use. And if you love this episode, please do share it with a friend. I'm Rob Dixon with my co-host Lila Van Gerpen, and we'd like to thank our guest Elaine May and our talented editor Landon Hook, as well as the Christians for Biblical Equality community. Be sure to listen to other episodes with our team of co-hosts coming your way on your devices every week. We are the Mutuality Matters Podcast, and thanks for listening.
0: The opinions expressed in CBE's Mutuality Matters Podcast are those of its hosts and guests and do not purport to reflect the opinions or views of CBE International or its members or chapters worldwide. The designations employed in this podcast and the presentation of content therein do not imply the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of CBE concerning the legal status of any country, area, or territory, or of its authorities, or concerning the delimitation of its frontiers.